You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. First Samuel 10, I was planning to get to this in the message, but in case I don't get there tonight, I've got to share this with you. This is something that the Lord uh, has spoken to my heart about in preparation for this. Matter of fact, so much so, I mentioned it uh, this morning in chapel. I got talking about uh, Saul, and I mentioned this verse. But notice with me 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse number 26. The Bible says, And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Now, we talk about, uh, stay with me, we're going somewhere, but we talk about the resurrection. And we say, what would that have been like to have seen the empty tomb? To see the place where Jesus lay. I'm sure that was amazing. But you know what I'd rather have? Rather than seeing the empty tomb, I'd rather have what I have. I'd rather have him living in my heart. And you know how he's real? You know how I know he's real? Because he lives within my heart. He's done something in my life. And can I tell you, when you get to know Jesus, and you spend time with Jesus, your heart's going to be touched. Your life is going to be affected. And we'll talk about this as it relates to the church, but there were some men that went with Saul, a band of men whose hearts God had touched. I want to encourage you in the Christian life, just, don't just go through the motions. Don't just go through the routine. And by the way, I'm, I think you need to come to church. I think God's people ought to be in church. But can I tell you, there's more to church than just coming and plopping down on a pew and checking your mind out and having it a, a million miles away and just going through the motions. There's got to be something that takes place in your heart, in your life. There's got to be something that gets a hold of you. And I'm glad that there is power. And uh, I'm glad that Jesus can touch us. I'm glad that he can do a work in our hearts. And we'll get to this here in a minute. But uh, turn with me now, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're talking about the church. We started a few months ago on Wednesday nights, and we've had a few times we've, uh, we've taken a break, but we've talked about the master of the church, and of course, the church is all about Jesus. It's His church. It's not my church. It's not your church. It's the Lord's church, and uh, He said He would build His church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We've seen the mission of the church. Say, what's the mission? The mission is to preach the gospel. The mission is to get people saved. The mission is not to build the nicest building. The mission is not to have the most fancy equipment. The mission is not to have uh, the the, the biggest uh, church membership role. The mission is the great commission of go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our mission. We saw our message. Our message is not what you think. Our message is not what I think. Our message is what God has said in His Word. This is our message. It's the Word of God. And I'm thankful we've got a message that never changes. I feel bad. And I know we've got some folks in our church. And I thank the Lord for folks in our church that are are, are running for office. Chuck, I still need to Sunday 
I need to, uh, Chuck Hasty, I need to have you stand. I've done it, I think, with everybody else, but I need to have you stand uh, for running for the uh, uh, county commissioners. But I thank the Lord uh, for people that, that, are, that love God, want to serve God, and we need those people in politics. But can I tell you, a lot of what we see in politics, especially uh, maybe on the national level and some higher levels, is we see that people don't know what they believe, and they're always changing their messaging. They're always changing uh, their sound bites. They're always changing what they're saying based upon what's popular. I want to tell you one thing about this church and the history of this church, and many of you have been in this church since day one. This church has not changed the message. This church is still preaching the Word of God. You say, what happens if people get mad? I don't want people to get mad. I don't want people to leave. I certainly don't want people to get mad at me. If they get mad at me and it's my fault, I made a mistake, I'll apologize. But if they get mad at the Word of God, there's no apologies for that. If they're upset with what God has said, that's not a problem with me. That's a problem with God. And this is the message of the church. We saw the might, the power of the church is the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And by the way, our church is not going to have power if our members do not have power because the church is the people. Again, the church is not the building. The church is not the walls and it's not the beams and the lights and the, the flooring and the pews. The church is the people. And I can I tell you, we need to have the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit of God that comes from prayer and fasting and, and that comes from people that live uh, separated and holy and godly. And we, we live in such a way that God can use us and God will use us as vessels meet or prepared for the master's use. We saw last week, we saw our method. And uh, we'll continue here where we left off. We talked about the fact that we're not using the world's methods. We're not using the new methods that are against the Bible. We're using God's methods. We talked about uh, Uzzah and that cart and uh, how uh, God smote Uzzah. God killed Uzzah because the people had taken the Ark of the Covenant and put it on a new cart. That wasn't God's plan. They had that, that cart being driven by, by, by animals rather than being carried on the shoulders of the Kohathites and it was not supposed to be touched by hands and yet Uzzah stuck his hand out. Well-meaning. By the way, there's a lot of people out there that are well-meaning and that are very sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. And we have, you say, well, how are we supposed to know what God wants? Because God has given it to us in his word and it's our responsibility to know this book um, so we talked about the methods we talked about uh, working together and being in one accord we talked about uh, unity working together we gave you the illustration from the uh, peanuts cartoon you remember that uh, Lucy and Linus and Lucy clenching that fist together and and uh, Linus uh, looked at his five little fingers and said why can't you guys get organized like that and we, we talked about the importance of unity, importance of working together. Let's talk tonight for a few minutes about the importance, our method as we work together, the importance of encouragement. Notice Hebrews 10 and verse number 25. We use this verse and we should to encourage people to be in church and encourage people to be faithful to the house of God. It says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, 
as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Notice the word exhorting. Look up with me, if you would, to verse number 24. It says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, we do this with our children, do we not? We look for ways that we can encourage our children to just clean their room. I mean, and, and by the way, I'm talking now, my wife and I, we've got um, our, our twins, uh, Lacey and Savannah, they're 10, we've got, and they do a pretty good job. Um, Chloe and Kylie, they share a room, and their room, you give them five minutes, and they can make it look like a hurricane went through. I mean, it actually doesn't even take that long. And then Micah, of course, he's two, and so, you know, we don't expect a lot out of him right now. But we're looking for ways to encourage them. You know, incentives and motivation and all. We've tried it all, you know, as I'm sure you have. Um, I would like some tips of what to do when they become teenagers, how you get them to get them motivated then, because I certainly uh, don't have those answers. But we, we think about that for children. We think about that for young people. We've got here to, uh, tonight, we've got some of our school teachers and some of our school staff that are in here. And as a teacher, you're trying to, to motivate the students to study, right? You're trying to motivate the students to, to get good grades and you want to motivate them to learn and motivate them to read and, and all those things. So you're looking for different things to do to provoke them, to encourage them, to prod them along to do what they need to do in school. Well, notice what it says in verse 24. Did you know that's supposed to be the mission of God's people with the church body. We're supposed to look for ways to encourage one another unto good works. We're supposed to, here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the key right here. We're supposed to consider one another. You know why we don't provoke others to good works? And you know why we don't usually encourage others? We don't even think about others. We've become so selfish, have we not? And, and, and by the way, let me come down here and let me just, let me sit down here for a minute and say, we, we have become so selfish. We live in a society where we're so self-centered and we're all uh, so, so driven that everything's got to be about us. But friend, that's not God's plan. That's not the way the church is supposed to work. We should be considering one another. Now, I wonder when you came in tonight, I know you've had a busy day. Many of you, you've worked and you've come. Many of you come straight from work to get to church. But I wonder, have you thought tonight, have you looked around and have you thought, I wonder who I can encourage in here? I wonder who's somebody in here who could use an encouraging word. I wonder who's somebody I can write a note to this week. Who is somebody I can make a phone call to this week? Who's somebody that I can drop off something for them and be an encouragement to them or be a blessing? Can I tell you, because we're so busy, because we get so focused on ourselves and our own needs, many times we don't even consider one another. But if we're going to encourage, we're going to have to first think about others and we're going to have to see the needs to consider. It means to ponder. Spend some time on it. You know, if somebody, if somebody comes in, you know, and they're, you know, uh, with crutches and bandages and, you know, they got a, a whole body cast, well, yeah, obviously that person needs some help. But what about people that 
Maybe they wouldn't appear like it, but the Holy Spirit would have pressed it upon your heart to say, why don't you encourage that person? By the way, that's what a church is all about. Say, well, pastor, I'm just doing my best just to get here, and I got on my pew, and I'm, I'm here, I'm putting in my time. Well, I'm glad you're here. But God's plan for the church was not just to sit on a pew and be a sponge to soak it all up. God's plan was for us to come to church and for us to be an active, uh, participating, encouraging member to help others. We see encouragement. Look for opportunities. Many times, the only opportunities we look for are opportunities to critique. Have you ever found yourself doing that? You're looking at so-and-so. I need, to, I need to say something to them, but they're not doing that right. I tell you what, that's special. I need to have a word with Brother Nathan. I, I can't, I don't, he doesn't even know how to sing. I'm telling you. Oh, and the preacher, boy. Well, and and I, by the way, I know the preacher needs some work. But if we're not careful, we're looking for ways that we can critique and point out the faults and point out the flaws. And because we want to put everybody else down so we can make ourselves look better. Friend, that doesn't make you look better when you're putting other people down. That doesn't make you look good at all. As a matter of fact, it reveals how self-centered you are when everything is about you and you can't even encourage somebody else. You have to take it upon yourself to try to correct or critique or, or to criticize somebody else. May God help us. That's not the plan. To, uh, to criticize the plan is to encourage. You see, we should be happy for others when they succeed. Somebody comes to church and you hear they got a promotion at work. Sometimes human nature is, why did I get a promotion? They're not better than me. They don't work harder than me. Or they, you know, just got a new this or they got a new that or, or, or something good happened to them or, you know, or, 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 or they just, they ran a marathon. You're thinking, I can't even run around the block. That's not fair, you know. But can I tell you, we should be happy when others succeed. Because when someone else in the church has a success or has a victory or has an answer to prayer, that strengthens all of us. It's just like in your family. If, if you have one child that succeeds, the goal is not to try to pull that person down and claw them down and say, who do you think you are? The goal is to encourage. The goal is to support. The goal is to be happy for the success of another. We are a team. I know our, my coaches, when I was in sports and um, elementary and junior high and high school, I know our coaches would always say, look for opportunities to compliment somebody else. You know, sometimes you're, you're sitting on the bench. I'm giving it away there. I'm sitting on the bench. <laughs> I just want to see if you caught that. I'm sitting on the bench thinking, what do they think they're doing? Well, you know what? Why don't you look for some good things they're doing? Why don't you encourage them? Hebrews 10, 25, encouraging one another. We ought to love one another. We ought to pray for one another. One of the greatest things you can do to encourage and help the family of God, to help the body of Christ, to help the church, is to pray for people. That's why we have a prayer meeting. That's why we have a prayer list. That's why we have a prayer line. Uh, that's why we have a prayer group on our Facebook. That's why we have now a prayer ad. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to encourage people. People need encouragement and prayer can help so much to encourage. I'll tell you what you can do to encourage somebody. You can get involved in a ministry. You can go out soul winning. 
You can go visit a shut and you can make a phone call. You can write a letter. You can do something for somebody else. Uh, uh, you can contact a missionary, email a missionary, say, hey, I remember when you came to our church and I just want to let you know we're praying for you. I hope things are going well. But look for things that we can do to encourage. On May 24th, 1965, there was a boat that left very quietly out of the marina at Falmouth, Massachusetts. What made this boat unique is that it was a very small boat. It was only 13 and a half feet in length. It would be the smallest craft to ever make a voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. This man, his name was Robert Manry. He was a copy editor for the Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper. For 10 years, he sat at a desk, and for 10 years, he just wanted to do something exciting. He was afraid, not of the ocean, but he was afraid of all the people who would try to talk him out of it. And can I interrupt this illustration to say, if I ever tell you that I'm planning to sail across the Atlantic on a 13 and a half foot boat, would you please discourage me from doing that? Uh, now, there'll be some other things I'll need your encouragement on, but that's one thing I do need you to talk some sense into me about. So because he was so afraid people would talk uh, him out of it, he hardly shared it with anybody, just a few relatives, but his wife, Virginia. He definitely, obviously, needed to tell her. The trip was not pleasant. He spent nights of sleeplessness trying to cross shipping lanes without getting run over and sunk by much, much larger vessels. After being at sea for many weeks, his food became tasteless. Loneliness led to terrifying hallucinations for Robert Manry. His rudder broke three times. In one instance, a storm swept him overboard, and the only thing that saved his life was that he had a rope tied around his body for situations like this, and he was somehow able to get back on the ship, pull himself on. And finally, after 78 days alone at sea, he sailed into England. During those nights, he wondered many times what he would do once he arrived. Remember, he really hadn't told anybody. He expected that he would check into a hotel, eat dinner alone, and then the next morning he would go to the Associated Press and tell them about his story, and maybe they'd be interested in writing an article. But Robert Man Manry was in for a surprise. Word of his approach had spread far and wide. To his amazement, there were 300 boats with horns blasting that escorted his little boat into the port. There were 40,000 people awaiting his arrival, screaming and cheering for his great accomplishment. Robert Manry had been a copy editor sitting behind a desk for 10 years, but something happened. He became an overnight hero. His story has been told around the world, but Robert could not have done it alone. Standing on the dock was an even greater hero, his wife, 
Virginia. She had encouraged him when others would have discouraged him. Now, let me also say that I'm thankful my wife has not encouraged me to take that voyage across the Atlantic. But I will say this, I'm thankful that my wife has encouraged me many times when I was discouraged. I'm thankful that God's people have encouraged me many times when I was discouraged. I'm thankful that we have one another that we can encourage when situations become discouraging. When the devil jumps on your shoulder and he says, you can't make this. You're not getting through this one. You're not coming out on the other side on this one. Yeah, you've been through some other stuff, but nothing this big. And when the devil tries to discourage, I'm thankful that God's people have been there to encourage. I'm thankful for God's word that has encouraged me. I'm thankful for times when I've sat in church services and I wouldn't tell anybody, but I've sat in church services and inside I was discouraged. But a preacher got up and preached. And I thought, Somebody told that preacher what I needed to hear because that's exactly for me. And I found out later, somebody did tell that preacher it was the Holy Spirit who knew what I needed. And the Holy Spirit that told that preacher and said, hey, I want you to preach this message because there's somebody in this room that needs it and it was me. I'm thankful for the encouragement of God's people. We have a lot of discouraging news. We have a lot of negative news. We have a lot of criticism. We have a lot of people that are quick to, to fight and a lot of people that are, are, are quick to point out the flaws and point out the failures. Can I tell you, as a church, God desires for us that we would exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, that phrase, and so much the more, is indicating that you may be doing some now, but you ought to step it up and I ought to step it up and do even more because why? Because we see the day approaching. You say, what day are we talking about? I believe we're talking about the day that the Lord returns. I believe we're talking about the day that the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back. And when the trumpet sounds, praise God, we'll be out of here. But there won't be any more time down here. There won't be any more opportunities down here. You say, well, I'll encourage people when I get to heaven. Well, duh. I certainly hope so. You're not going to have any problems in heaven. There won't be any battles in heaven. So all the encouraging you're planning to do, you better do it down here. God has called us to encourage one another. That is our method. I want you to notice very quickly, I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, and I'll just I'll say a word about this, and we'll, we'll get into this another time. Acts chapter 2. And verse number 47, number 6, as we're going through this series, we'll talk about in the weeks to come, we'll talk about our members. Did you know that every member is important? Did you know that every church member matters? You see, the church is only as strong as its members. Acts 2 and verse number uh, 46, the Bible says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house to eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. 
the Lord added to the church. You know who the Lord added? He added some members. And God's added some members to this church. And I thank the Lord for the, the members that have come and the people that God has brought to our church. But can I tell you, every member is important. In Joshua 7, I'll probably look at this next time we, we continue this, but Joshua 7, we find that the nation of Israel was affected negatively because of one man by the name of Achan. They won the battle of Jericho. The walls came down. God did a mighty victory. And then they went to fight against Ai. The next battle, and Joshua and the men said, hey, we don't even have to send everybody. Let's just send a couple thousand men. We didn't even have to do anything at Jericho. So Ai, they're small. They went to the battle of Ai, and the Bible says that 36 men from the army of Israel were killed in that battle. And the, uh, the people of Ai, they chased the Israelites out of there. Joshua fell on his face before God and he rent his garment. God told Joshua, he said, there's some sin in the camp. And you say, well, I bet there was a lot of sin, right? No, there was just one person by the name of Achan. You say, well, what was his sin? I'm sure it was really, really terrible. Well, he didn't kill anybody. Um, he uh, didn't blaspheme God. He didn't take God's name in vain. Uh, he, he wasn't, you know, committing adultery. He wasn't going out and getting drunk and getting behind the wheel of a car and running into people. Just took something that God said don't touch. He took it, took it back to his tent, and he hid it in the ground, and he covered it up. And he thought nobody would ever know. You know what they had to do in Israel? They had to make sure that the nation of Israel was cleansed from sin. And you know, as a church, you know what we need to do? We need to make sure that our hearts are right with God. We need to make sure that there's not sin in our hearts and that, that is unconfessed. We make sure there's not sin in our lives that we've just tried to cover. So, Pastor, nobody here knows about it. I didn't say anybody did. But I know this, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. I know that God searches the heart. He's the one that tries the reins. He is the one who sees everything. He doesn't just see the sin and the, the, the wicked things that we do, but He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives. He knows when there's bitterness in our heart. He knows when there's envy in our hearts. He knows when there's anger in our hearts. He knows when uh, uh, there is a, a, a sin that nobody else knows, nobody else can see. Can I tell you, as a church, I want us to have a church with members that strive every day to be right with God. Say, are you, are you asking for perfect members? No, because I wouldn't be able to join because I'm not perfect, and you're not perfect. Ain't none of God's children perfect. We're all humans. We're all sinners that have been saved by grace. But I certainly want to be right with God, and I certainly want to strive to have a clean heart and to do what is pleasing to the Lord. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at 
vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.